Hey, let's, let's give it up for our, our praise team. Let's. They have been faithful week after week um, to lead us in worship. And, you know, it's sad as only two of them are going to be returning um, in the fall. The rest of them are graduating. And um, why, do, why do you have to make good grades and graduate and all that kind of good stuff? I'm sure your parents appreciate that. Um, they, they're actually going to come back up here in a few minutes and, um, and lead us out um, for the quarter. But I just want to take a few minutes uh, and give you some words of encouragement. And I know what you're thinking. Like, Justin, we've heard you time after time. There's not just a few minutes in you. I'm going to do my best to keep it at a few. Um, but, you know, Paul, he always gave a salutation when he wrote to the letters that, of the churches that he would plant it and that he invested in. And it was always like, some last words of encouragement, some last words of instruction. And, and he longed and he just like wanted, desired for the church to thrive because it was necessary for the church to thrive, for it to continue to carry out the gospel and for it to be advanced. And um, so I just want to give you a couple of things. I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not equating myself to Paul. There's, by no means I would never do that. But there's three things that, that are very important to me um, is that I've been in, trying to instill into our leadership. So they, they've heard this to the, till they're, you know, I'm, I've spoken until I'm blue in the face, and they're probably like, he's a broken record. Er, er, you know, just like repeating and repeating it. But I really think it's really important and the reason why I continue to put it in front uh, of, of our leadership, and, and I want to just kind of leave you with these words as we end up exiting this last quarter and, and heading into the summer. But these three things are really important to me as a college pastor at this moment in time for our students to embrace because I realize that we only have a short time with you guys. Like, sometimes the most, the most time that we have with you is possibly four years if you come in here at first college as a freshman and you stay in the duration you know the only time usually people leave is when they get a boyfriend and girlfriend at another church <laughs> like I was like where's so-and-so I ain't seen him in a while oh he got a girlfriend and I was like, oh okay you know and so we don't have him four years then and um so but if we get you at a freshman usually you come in later on a sophomore or junior or senior whatever we only have you with a short time so we understand that, but that's why we care so much about college ministry because we know that you are going to go out and whatever you do and whatever you become in, you know, in your occupation and everything else, you can carry what you've taken from here and carry it on into your next phase of life. You know, college, one thing that I love about college ministry is that you, I get to be a part of your threshold between adolescence and adulthood. You know, you're, you're coming out of being in high school and you start making decisions on your own and everything. And, and those decisions, a lot of times, impact the rest of your life. And so we want to come alongside of you and help you as you start those decision-making process. And, and, um, and, so that we, and as you go out, we hope that we, you carry these three things with you. First thing is this, pursue Christ first and foremost. Pursue Christ. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 2. It says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand 
of the throne of God. So pursue Christ. Let's examine his teachings. Let's consider his ways as he is the founder and the, the perfecter of our faith. So as he is the founder, he initiated a new way of life. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul talks about that anybody is in Christ, he is a new creation. The things that are old and then there's a thing that's new. That's why we celebrate salvation with baptism. It's, like we, it's a symbolism of a person dying to their self and coming up and living in the new way that Jesus has set before them. And so he is the, the, the initiator of our faith, the founder of our faith. And um, so he, as a perfecter of our faith, he has put our faith in motion. And let me explain that. See, he, he gives us a way, he, meaning that without his death and resurrection, there is no hope for us whatsoever. And so his finished work put in place the original means by which we are saved. So he is the, the author, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So as the author, he put in place the means by which we are saved. And as the perfecter, that means that our faith is still going. It's still in motion. Remember, we talked a lot about this throughout this past quarter. It's called the sanctification process. And even Paul put it in Philippians 1.6, He who began a work is faithful to complete it until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so our faith is still in motion. That's why we have to continue, continue to pursue Christ. Because he sets the way for us to live by. And until our faith becomes sight, when we reveal or reveal Jesus face to face, we're still ongoing or in a work in progress. I don't know about y'all, but I'm still a work in progress. I need to look to Christ and I need the grace that he gives by, that helps me carry me through that process. So first and foremost, pursue Christ. His work has put in place the original means. Remember in Acts 12, I mean, excuse me, Acts 4.12, he says, there's no other name under heaven by which we are saved. And then he goes, uh, Jesus said himself in John 14.6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. So he is the original means by which we are saved, but our faith is still in motion. And so I am sure this, that, uh, or let me go back. In John 8.32, he says that, he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Well, who is the truth in this case? It's Jesus, right? Well, the more we know, and it's not just head knowledge, it's knowledge in action, it's application. The more we know, the more liberty we experience. Because he says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, right? And so the more truth that is in place, the more freedom we get to experience. And so whatever you're going and whatever you're doing, I would say first and foremost, pursue Christ. Pursue Christ in your occupation. Pursue Christ in your family. You know, some of you guys are fixing to get married. Put Christ first in your marriage. Put Christ first in your, your occupation. Put Christ first in your, in, in your recreation. Whatever you do, put Christ first. Pursue Christ. Second thing is this, love the church. Love the church. You know, you, you hear people are a little bit delusion about the church, but here's the deal. You can't love the church or love Jesus and, and, and not love his church. In Acts 20, verse 28, it says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, which is the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. 
With his own blood, he purchased the church. If the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, had to purchase the church with his own blood, do you think that she is valuable? And so we are to, to love the church. In Acts 9, 4, it says, And falling to the ground, this is Paul, falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who is Paul or who is Saul persecuting at this time? The church. And so Jesus referred as a church as himself. So there's no way we can love the church and not or love Jesus and not love the church at the same time. There's no possible way. But here's the deal. I, know, I understand that it's hard, and, but, you know, and I know there's a, a sense of universal church in, in, in meaning that you know, there's Christians in China, there's Christians in, in Asia or, or in Africa, and there's Christians here in the United States and everywhere. I, under, I get that, but he's actually talking about the local church. There's more, when, when the Bible talks about the local church, a lot of times it's talk, or the church in general, is a lot of times talking about the local body. He differentiates those, those local bodies. And how we know that in Revelation, where he talked to the seven churches, there were seven different churches. He says to the church in Laodicea, to the church in Ephesus. He differentiated those. But church, the universal church not only requires agape love, or let me, let me, let me put it this way. It's easy to love the universal church. You know why? Because we're not engaged with the universal church. It's harder to love the local church. It's when it requires us to, to engage emotionally, to engage spiritually. And, and here's the thing is, is, you know, loving with agape love, which we know that is a godly love, that the, the Greek gives us agape, four different types of love. Loving with agape love is kind of easy to say the sense in the context of the universal church. Why is that? Because I can say, well, I can pray for my brothers and sisters across the seas. I can pray what's happening in Shreveport, but I'm not engaged there. It's when we engage phileo love in conjunction with agape love, that's where the rubber meets the road. Why is that? Because we have an investment in the local church. That's where we invest our emotions, that's where we invest our time, that's where we invest our gifts and our abilities, and that's where God mandates us to get involved within the context of the local church because that's where the investment takes place. But here's the reality. It's not always easy. Why is that? Because the problem is, is that we can become easily delusional with the local church. Why? Because the church is made up of imperfect sinners. If the church was a perfect place, I would have to remove myself immediately. And so when that happens, there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of, 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 of uh, I guess, friction that can happen within the context of the local church. But guys, here, I want to tell you something. Even if you have to endure that one day, it's worth it to endure it. Why? Because Jesus paid his own blood for the church. And it's the only means by which he will bring about his redemptive plan. He could have chose anything else, but he chose us, the church, to bring about his redemptive plan. And so even though it's easy to get delusional with it sometimes, and, here, and here's one thing I want to put in front of you, because, and I, and I tell this to leadership uh, quite a bit, it's like, 
your next church experience, if you're graduating and you're moving to a certain place or whatever and you got to go find a church, your next church experience may not be like your college ministry experience. You know why? Because you're going to have to get involved in a holistic approach, meaning that there may be old people involved. People that may not in the same life state, may not be in the same life state as you. There may be different people that are different life stages, different types of backgrounds and everything else. But here's what happens is when all that comes together in unity, that is a perfect depiction of what the church is supposed to be. It's a perfect depiction of grace. It's a perfect depiction of the gospel. And so I just want to give you that forewarning. So when our differences and our imperfections come together, it paints that beautiful picture of the gospel. Last thing is this, be on mission. And we talked about this two weeks ago, actually, didn't we, Katie? Not everybody is called to be a missionary, but everybody's called to be on mission. That mandate is not severed by any particular calling. As believers, when we embrace the gospel, we know that we're on mission. And I, again, I want to reiterate the passage in Matthew 28. You know, it says, go ye therefore and make disciples. And I know that sounds like an action verb, but the reality of it is, is it, it's, it's a participle meaning that as you are living life, because everywhere you go, you're going to have a, a sphere of influence. I was having coffee today with an older retired pastor today, and he, just, he had a lot of wisdom. And when I was telling him about that, we were discussing that. And he said, you know what? The more busier we become, the more on mission we should be. Why is that? Because we're being more engaged. We're surrounded by more people. And so we're, we're to be on mission. Being on mission is living, our, living out our faith in the front, on the front lines. It's being transparent in front of people. In Matthew 5, 16, it says, let your light so shine before men. That's an intentional action. Let your light shine. Guys, I, I told this, I may have told you this story before, but I was working in a church plant in Bozeman, Montana. And the one of the most unique ways for me to go out and build relationship, I coached my son's Little League baseball team. And I had a blast. Those kids were fun. But yet, I, I had a dad come up to me you know, after the, the ball game, and usually when that happens, when you're the Little League baseball coach, you're like, oh, what did I do wrong, you know? Um, did I not put his son in the right position or, or whatever? But he goes, he just looked at me, and he pointed his finger. He said, there's something about you. He said, can I buy you a beer? And I was like, well, I, I, I'm not too much on beer. It's kind of nasty to me, but I'll drink a, some, you know, a, a Coke or whatever. And, and um, so I got the, 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 the opportunity to, to share the gospel with that guy and know, let him know what I was about. And then I didn't do anything. I was just coaching Little League Baseball. And so it's living our faith out. It's putting it in motion in front of people. It means being intentional, seeking out opportunities to share the gospel. And then ultimately, it means that we're bringing people to Christ. It is intentional ministry in an impressionable world. God, we got a world, we got, we got, we living in a world that's questioning everything. And there's all kinds of things that are going on right now. 
that's just going to bring about more questions. And guys, we, the church, are to have the answer and we're to live out that answer and be able to share that answer and articulate that. Because why? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from what? The Word of God. And so to be on mission, <clears throat> this requires a contradiction in our priorities. And what I mean by that is, is that when we live according to the way Christ would have us to live, it's going to contradict the way the world lives. It's going to look contrary. You know, every time, you know, Jesus kind of flips the script. He kind of turns everything upside down. And when we're living out his ways, it's going to look backwards to the world. But guess what? They will notice. And you will have your opportunity to share your faith. It, but here's the thing. It'll, it will be difficult. But the good news is, is that Christ is with you every step of the way. How do I know this? As Paul was pinning out a salutation in 1 Thessalonians, he was writing to the church in Thessalonica, and as he was pinning out this salutation, he gave his last-minute instructions. He says in verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from everything that is evil. In verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's where I want you to really get this last verse right here. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. That's how I know that he will be with you every step of the way. Because he gives us, Paul gives us a glimpse of Christ and his finished work is that he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So guys, as the band comes up, three things. Pursue Christ. Love the church. And be on mission. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for these three quarters that I've been able to spend with these college students. And Lord, I just pray a prayer over the ones who are going out from us, Lord, and with new endeavors. Lord, I just pray that you would go with them, go before them. And God, that you would just continue to do a work in them and through them. And God, I just pray that their experience here has is, is helped them in some way to continue to pursue you. And God, I hope this experience has helped them fall in love with the local church. And God, I, I pray, God, that they would just continue to be on mission. God, I thank you for the opportunity for, to see the church in motion as we've seen folks get saved. God, we've seen folks just surrender to ministry. God, we've seen folks, God, just give a testimony of, of faith and and God, I'm just so grateful that we get to see that right before our own eyes because you are faithful. 
So God, as we close with these last several songs, Lord, I just pray, God, that we would just, God, just worship you, and I just pray that what we do here tonight will be nothing but a mere reflection of what is transpiring in our day-to-day lives. So Lord, I just, again, I thank you, and I love you, and I pray you sing in Christ's name.